Hi, everyone. I'm back on Sinai Radio, and today I have a guest, Sophia, who goes by Syrian in Israel on Instagram. And I'm just going to introduce myself really quick, introduce her, and then we'll get to talking. So my name is Sylvia Fallis, and I'm a private chef based out of Brooklyn. I go by my name, Sylvia Fallis, on Instagram, and you can find me and my recipes there. I also have a website called Cooking for My People that I post on not enough, so you can follow me there as well. So today I have Sophia on, and we're going to talk a little bit about where she grew up, her style of cooking, and then we're going to talk about everybody's favorite nine days of the year where we're prohibited from cooking meat and chicken, and everybody cringes that there's nothing for their kids to eat. And since we both have young kids, we're going to give you some family-friendly ideas and options and we'll go from there. And as always, we'll both take any of your questions on Instagram at any time. And if it's something Israeli ingredient-wise that I can't help you with, I'm sure she'd be able to help you. So are we ready? Sophia, thank you for joining me tonight. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So first, let's talk about where you're from originally, because I don't really hear that Israeli accent that my daughter has. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm originally from Brooklyn. I grew up in Brooklyn. I went to Yeshiva Flatbush. No way. When did you graduate? Yep. Uh, 02. I graduated. High school in 02. Yeah. yeah. So I graduated high school in 2005. So we probably ran into each other. Yeah, probably. Okay. Um, so when did you make the big move to Israel? So we moved about six years, a little over six years ago. We moved. <laughs> yeah. First we started coming for summers. We rented out. We lived in Deal. We lived in Deal for 10 years. And uh, we rented our house out in the summer, and we came a few times, and we just fell in love with it over here. So you've been there for six years, and where yeah. are you in Israel? In Jerusalem, in the neighborhood of uh, Sanhedrin Rocheva, it's called. Wow. Are there a lot of Americans in that area? Tons. Tons of Americans. Um, even, like, the cashiers in the local supermarket are English-speaking. That's how many. Wow. Um, so I've people. heard from friends when they travel that it's like going to little brooklyn like everybody speaks english everybody knows what they want everyone knows their yeah. food and they're like oh you have to search for a native israeli speaker sometimes yeah so how is it different living in brooklyn and then in deal and now in israel was it a difficult adjustment um, yes and no. I'm saying there's always going to be difficulties when you're moving anywhere. Um, the language for my kids, you know, we had to get tutoring, things like that, get used to the school system, which is very, very different, um, especially the Haredi system, which I'm in. It's very different, but you get used to it. You learn all the, you know, the ways. Uh, How old were your kids? Here. How old were your kids when you moved? So my oldest had just turned 10. And then I had an eight-year-old, um, a six-year-old, four-year-old, and a two-year-old. Oh, wow. So for the younger kids, it probably wasn't such an adjustment because no. they didn't know from growing up here. as Exactly, to exactly. And now a kind of silly question. What was, like, the biggest kind of culture shock thing, like, food-wise? Mm. Like, what was, like, the most random, like, what oh, the heck is this? 
the food meat, wise. The definitely, definitely the meat. The way that they sell the meat here, especially when I came six years ago, the meat industry here has changed. There's much more availability now of fresh meat. Right. Um, and like meats to order, but back then, especially when I came, it was like by numbers. It's still by numbers, but it's like now the culture is becoming much more American here, so they cater right. to the Americans. They'll know what flanken is and brisket is. Back then, if you order by number, only frozen meats, um, things like that. So I had to learn how to cook. I think my first roast I cooked, it was like six hours till it got soft. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, one of my friends said the milk in the plastic bags was the weirdest. Oh yeah. yeah, she was like my kids. Also. My kids boycotted milk for months because they couldn't. That changed un- now also. Now mostly you see uh, cartons and bottles rather than bags. Bags. Um, right. I, do you think that the meat slowly shifting had what to do with um, Israeli American chefs who are kind of influencing and bringing yeah. people over to Israel? and making yes. it more, like they're making it more accessible for Americans to move and to visit and to do. I was reading something about how there's a company that, that'll set up an Airbnb-type place and buy all your groceries so Americans can come to Israel and, like, live the Israeli life but not have to go to the supermarket. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part, the Israeli supermarkets. You find all this fun stuff. I'm telling so you, like, every time I go to a supermarket, it's like, Wow. <laughs> Right. So what are some typical weeknight meals in your house? Regular regular Syrian food I cook, like, or just regular weekday food. You know, schnitzel, french fries, roasted potatoes, um, tacos, but, like, you know, I have to make my own spice. Right. Um, yeah, like my, let's see, my weeknight menus. So do you cook... Um, like Israeli-style meals where your larger meal is lunch and dinner is a lighter meal, or do you focus more American where your dinner is your main meal? No, so dinner is still our main meal just because the kids come home at all different hours. My girls right. come home 1, 2 o'clock. The high school girls come home at 3. Um, and then my son, who's in Cheder, who's in going into 7th grade, he doesn't come home till before 6, and that's when he's starving. So I need right. to have, like, a good... So are they getting, you know, like, a full hot lunch in school, or are you sending lunch? Like, I'm just curious so, yeah, how Yeah, my son in Cheder gets a full hot lunch. Right, but he's in 7th grade, so he could basically eat all day, every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, sure. Because I remember when my friends were in seminary, they said, like, you had a whole lunch, and then for dinner, they'd give you, like, french fries. Right, because, yeah, because their main meal is lunch. Their main meal is lunch. Is lunch. Right. Right. And what do you think, like, do you think your kids have shifted towards more Israeli food, or are they still looking for, like, the comforts of home? Um, really both, like certain things that are just prominent here in the culture, like for example, corn schnitzel. I would have never bought that or made that in America, but that for them, they just like it for lunch. It's quick, it's easy. Like the vegetarian ones. Yeah, it's called corn. It's basically schnitzel, but with corn. Yeah, so they serve it in Mag and David for lunch. Oh, yeah? They serve it on meat day in Mag and David. They give, like, regular nuggets or schnitzel or chili or whatever the meat thing is, and they always serve a vegetarian option. And the Israeli mm. corn schnitzel is a vegetarian option. But one of my friends was teaching there, and she said her kids were in 
pre-K or kindergarten, and they were eating the whole meat lunch, and then they were asking for the par of lunch, too. <laughs> and she's like, it's, it, it's become like a trend-setting item, fake schnitzel, they call it. Oh, my gosh, there's 20 kinds of fake schnitzels. Like, I don't eat the corn one. I'll eat, like, a fake chicken. Like, it looks like a piece of grilled chicken, but it's par. So they it's have delicious. it. They started importing it here, and it's the Israeli package, and they'll put a sticker on it in English saying what it is. Uh-huh. And one of the packages, I have to send you the picture of this. It says in English, corn into schnitzel. <laughs> And I remember sending the picture to my husband who speaks Hebrew, like not as well as me, but he speaks Hebrew and he's like, I don't understand. Like, did they take out the chicken? Did they bread it in corn? He's like, I don't really understand what this is. Oh my gosh. No, that's the spelling mistakes also are the best when they try to write English on the package. But you, like, sometimes I just laugh because, like, it's so clear that they're trying so hard and they're using Google Translate, but it's like, no, yeah. No. And then I saw an Israeli um, ketchup, and it didn't say ketchup. It said sweet vinegar tomato sauce. Oh my <laughs> and we just like we just laugh over that. But now, Shabbat food. Are you cooking Syrian stuff? Are you making more like Israeli stuff? Like no. how does it Syrian all the way? We have Bahrim that come to us almost every week, and. Seminary girls, we host, and I love to cook Syrian. That's my thing. I, when I came here, I learned how to make everything from scratch. Like in America, I made a few things here. I'm making my own kibbles, my own right. um, kibbe torpedoes, my, all my maza, all my yebra, everything from scratch Is here. Is it hard to find like the basic ingredients or are you importing them? Um, so certain things I'll bring with me, but the basic things like bidhol and, um, what else? Like smid. You just need to know where to look. Certain spices. Right. Let's say you'll have to go to a certain spice shop, but we have Machane Yehuda here, which is amazing. Are you able to get like the jarred grape leaves, or do you have to pick yeah. them and brine them your own? No, 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 no. The jar, the jar. We have so you the could jar get in regular that. supermarkets. Yeah, they have them in regular supermarkets or in Machane Yehuda. They have them. It's like and the tamarind. Not as good. Right, tamarind and tamarind. Also. So you're tamarind. not making your own. No, no, no. That I could find. Baruch Hashem. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you're making your own, I don't think you'd be hosting that many men. No. <laughs> I would find a way. I would find a way. You would. And you stuff know. like peas and kibbeh, like frozen peas are easy to find. No, I'm sure. all no? the frozen vegetables are very easy to find. The artichokes right. and the peas and the bamet also and the, everything. Oh, wow. That's so interesting. So I guess if you know where to find it, you can get a hold of it pretty easily. Yeah. I tell young brides that move here to please be in touch with me. I will tell them everything. I have taught brides, taken them with me to the supermarket. Show you them. should give tours. This is this. This is this. This is what you buy. This is what you need. I, I've done it before because I know that it could be so overwhelming when you come. Right. To like, you know. It's, so I have a so funny much. story for you. Speaking of taking brides to the supermarket, so you'll laugh. Um, a good friend of mine, her name's Chaya. She's, her and her husband are now a Kiruv rabbi in Robertson in California. And oh, wow. neither of them grew up religious. Like she grew up in a suburb of Los Angeles where everyone wore a cross. And her parents moved there because they read somewhere that it was the best public school district in that 
neighborhood, but like they didn't know everyone was Catholic. And her husband didn't grow up religious. He grew up in, I think, Philly. And they became religious as a young couple. And they moved to Israel for a year. And she's like, we had no money. She's like, there was no money for extras. So her husband had said, like, he wants schnitzel and fried potatoes or something. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to do it for him. So she didn't really know Hebrew too well. And this was before, like, Google Translate. So she went to the to the local supermarket and she looked for olive oil and she had found out how to read olive oil in Hebrew. She bought the cheapest bottle of olive oil and she went and fried schnitzel and potatoes for her husband. She didn't know that it was olive oil to light Shabbat candles. Oh my God. <laughs> and her husband came home and he's like, it smells like a burning lamp. She's like, no, 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 I made schnitzel. I don't know why. Maybe a neighbor or someone is burning a lamp. This was like a while ago when it was still like normal to burn a lamp in Israel. And they both suffered through the schnitzel and the leftovers and the leftovers. And then when she had realized it was like, olive oil to light a lamp she had asked all of her friends like what do I do with this now like I need to use it to cook because I don't have extra money to go buy more oil and someone's like no 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 this is for a lamp please don't eat this (laughs) so now 20 something years later she has an 18 year old daughter who's actually in Israel this past year and we've been to her house for Shabbat and she'll tell her students this story and like they just look at her like really now and she's like yes Israel wasn't the same way 20 years ago no. like now everything now, is in English also she's everything like you guys go and you take Ubers all over the place and you go to all these fancy restaurants she's like I was lucky if I could get milk twice a week but we were wow. just so we still laugh over that but it's it's changed and I think it's I think it's changed for the better because now look how many people go as tourists on vacation. Yeah. Like I know yeah. a few families who went for a few weeks this summer just like not with a touring purpose, just to go and hang out. Mm-hmm. Like it's so to much go to fun. the beach. Do you yeah. get no, a lot of do. do you get a lot of questions like where do I buy this? Which restaurant do I go yeah. to for this? Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. I love it. I'm happy to help everybody. I'm happy to help because I know how hard it could be. And the good thing is that I learned how to cook, like meaning I got married in America. So I got used to what I like and I know what's what. And then I came here and I said, okay, I'm going to find this. I'm going to find that. And whatever I didn't find, I adapted. It's not like I came here and I'm just getting married and learning how to cook and trying to find my way. Is there one? Is there something that you just can't find or that, well, like, what's that one thing that you just have to bring in from the state? Mm, wonton wrappers. The Geth and wonton wrappers. <laughs> really? But Did you we, ever, the we twin can get marquee brand. You can get Mazers, though. Wow. How expensive yeah. is it, though? It's not so expensive. It's maybe, like, I think 20 shekel, let's say, for a pack of pizza dough, 25 for the right. empanada dough, which comes That's out a lot. That's not bad. It's That's not, not terrible. Bad. No. Um, wonton wrappers, though, have you ever used the Twin Marquee brand? I think so, in America, yeah. Yeah, so I know a friend who freezes a case of those and brings it to Israel. Yeah, I freeze it. I freeze it and bring it, whatever I need. I go to she Bormay, said she's, right. 
Wow. So how often do you come back and forth? Um, so usually me, twice a year. I usually come once alone just for, you know, fun shopping, recharging trip, and then once with the family. This year we happen to have come for Pesach. And my husband travels a lot. He travels uh, four to five times a year for business. Wow, wow. So I think it's gotten a little bit easier, like the traveling back and forth. Because I remember yeah. when I was a kid, it was like torture. Yeah, no, it's not bad. And your kids, are, your kids are fine with going back and forth? Yeah, they go once a year. So they don't, you know, they're fine. As long as they get to. And people come here. That's the good thing about right, living right. in Jerusalem. Everybody comes. So they're still connected to their culture from home. Yes, yes. I right. even sent my older daughter in for the summer now to deal, my 16-year-old. Oh, she's welcome to hang out with me. Thank you. I'm sure she would love that. <laughs> I do a lot of shopping all over. She's welcome to come with me. Um, what did I want to ask? I had one more question. Oh, when your kids come to America, like, what's the one food item that they run to? Like, what's their... Like, hmm. That's a tough one. Well, this time, all they wanted was Urban Pop. Yeah, <laughs> we're, big, we're an Urban Pop family here. <laughs> yep, Sophie is my cousin, so, you yes, know. Yes, we're, we're very I big was, Urban Pop people. My kids want the 475 Pop. Of course they do. Of course, they of course graduated they to the expensive Oh, that pop. is Chinese food. Chinese food. <laughs> Chinese food is not readily available, or it's just different? It's different. They have a lot of Asian food and sushi and Japanese, but it's not like the real Chinese sesame chicken and drop soup, all that. Like the American know? Chinese food. Exactly. Like battered dip exactly. and fried. Like Fujihana Chinese food. Right, right, right. Exactly. Well, and do your older kids cook or they're not interested? I just got a phone call. Sorry. Oh, that's um, okay. Do your older daughters cook or they're not interested? Um, or? A little bit. A little bit. Like basic stuff, eggs, pasta, right. stuff like that. Like, you know. So if you were to throw them into the kitchen, they'd survive. Yeah, they'd survive. Because my daughter, my older ones, like sometimes I'm not home. Sometimes, you know. Right, um, so they can they can figure it out. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about meatless meals. I know it's very Israeli to do a lot of meatless. Yeah, because so, meat's very expensive here. Yeah, so someone was saying that fish is also very expensive. Unless fresh you're living, fish. like, by the coast. Yeah, so fresh fish is expensive. They have a lot of frozen fish, which I don't prefer. But if you find the better brand, there are some brands that are good quality, then you're okay, you know, right. as long as you defrost it under the proper conditions. Right. So now um, we need nine meals. What are some of your nine meatless meals? Okay. So for sure, fish and chips, like a schnitzel and French fries and salad. But over here, um, you can get white tuna frozen. Right. And if you marinate it and then bread it and fry it, it tastes like chicken. The kids have no clue. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Um, definitely sushi night is on my list because my kids love sushi, and I'll do like a deconstructed 
you know, I'll put out all the components, they'll roll it themselves, like that. Um, Of course, homemade pizza with my sourdough dough, soups. What else do I have here on this list? Falafel, of course, very Israeli, and we barely eat falafel. So I'm like, okay, great, we'll have that. So do you make it or do you buy it? Depends. Sometimes we'll buy it because it's just inexpensive. Like, let's say I'll buy the falafel bowls and reheat them and then right. make all the components on the side. Or I'll make it. I'll get a mix and I'll make it. Or this year I said maybe I'm going to attempt, like, let's say, like a homemade veggie burger, which could be falafel-ish. Right. So I've made falafel from scratch. And it's not, it's not difficult. It's just time-consuming. Right. Like, it takes right. time, but what I'll do is I'll buy, like, a tin of falafel, and I'll buy it right before dinner so that it's mm-hmm. still hot, and I'll make exactly. all the salads in the side. I've made my own pito with the kids. Right. So, like, I'd rather make pito with them than make falafel. Yeah, that's a much better idea. kids and bubbling oil do not mix well. No, and you won't stink up the kitchen, too. No. <laughs> right, right, and then... So I'm thinking, what else? Like, do you do anything like vegan? Like, yeah, vegan, so I was no just dairy, say, no cheese, like, like fish. Do, yeah, no, we do vegan here, or like, let's say, veg, like vegetarian-ish, like more like fool. I don't know if you ever heard like. The, yes, the my favorite. That's my favorite. Yeah, fool, fool demes. So I'll get do the fool beans. We'll do fresh pitas, um, hard-boiled eggs, hummus, tahini, Israeli salad, right. and it's super, super filling. So something interesting about full beans, um, mm-hmm. if you're listening and you don't know what those are, they're fava beans. So right. they basically look like a giant, chubby string bean, like a huge yep. string bean. Uh, so I'm talking about the brown ones. Right. The... So that's what they are. So it's a uh, huge yeah? pod, and you have to peel the pod, and then when the beans pop out, there's a second shell on them. So you have to boil them. Like, you have to boil the little beans and then flip the little shell off. And then what you're buying as, like, the brown full beans, that's uh-huh. boiled again. So they're very hard to prepare on your own. And in America, they're only available, like, in the spring for, like, 10 days. So uh-huh. the cans are the frozen. So I buy them frozen here. So the brown, really? The That's brown cool. ones, yeah. So the young ones are the green ones. The brown mm-hmm. ones are, like, boiled again. They're more mature. So whichever one you're buying, some people have, I forget what it's called, but they have sort of, like, an intolerance to them. And mm-hmm. you won't know that you have the intolerance until you eat it for the first time. And they get a terrible, terrible, terrible stomachache. Oh, well, so, I get that from avocado, actually. <laughs> really? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's my favorite food. So I know. <laughs> whenever I serve, like, full beans to company, like, I'll do it, like, for a brunch. And I'll do, like, full and shakshuka and Lebanon and all that. Yeah. I tell all my Ashkenaz guests, like, please don't eat this if you haven't eat it, be, eaten it before. Like, I don't want to be responsible. Oh, my gosh. But that's <laughs> an amazing shakshuka. is an amazing nine-day dinner. Also. Right. So I add spinach or kale to my shakshuka to make it more filling. And I'll serve Mm. it. This is very American of me. But I'll serve it over spaghetti for my kids. Oh, wow. Okay, listen. It's whatever you know. They'll eat it. I also serve, um, I'll serve it over toasted pita. Like, they'll eat Mm. that. They'll eat it with spaghetti. They'll eat it with egg noodles. We make a lot of calzones here. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Right, that mm-hmm. here is like, you know, once in a while. Like whenever I just go get the dough, I'll make an order of the mazors, so I'll get it, I'll make it fast to fast, right. things like that. Yeah, so I make it for after the fast, and my grandmother makes her own dough for the calzonas. Mm-hmm. She makes her own wow. dough, she stuffs them, she fills them, she boils them, it's like a whole procedure. Then you need the butter. So someone yeah. was actually telling me that they make their, instead of putting butter on the calzonas before they warm it up, they put margarine. Mm-hmm. And my husband was like, it's got cheese and butter. Why are you putting margarine? Right. He's like, right. all that butter, and now we need margarine. No, you need so, the butter. <laughs> yes, you need the butter. Is So I know the dairy industry in Israel is crazy. It's so different yeah. than here. Is it hard to find American-style dairy? No, not anymore. There are some companies that popped up that make the American cream cheese, right. um, the cheeses, also even natural and kosher is importing. But besides really? for that, we, we get imported cheeses from England, like the English cheddar. Yeah, so that is France. so hard to find here. All the imported cheese, there's only one store in Crown Heights who carries it. Uh-huh. And I'll go there like for my pilgrimage to buy all the good cheese. Right. And I'll spend like fifty, sixty dollars on cheese. And pomegranate well, carries you some of it. Spend hundreds on cheese. Yeah. You go to Machane Yehuda to what's his name? Basher. Oh my gosh. We had a cheese party once. I think we spent maybe two hundred dollars. Yeah. So you could get much, much better better quality dairy, like the milk, yeah. the butter. It all tastes better in Israel. And it's then so, so you know, have you been to Trader Joe's on a recent trip? Here? Of course. Yeah. So their best-selling feta cheese, which they discontinued, was actually imported from Israel. Really? Yeah, and That's it happened to be OU Kalavisal. Right, because it was imported. Yeah. Because so, it was yeah, imported. So people would buy like 10 packs at a time, and now uh-huh. it's gone. They keep saying they're bringing back another like Kalavisal feta cheese, but who knows? Right. No, it's not so easy sometimes with the importing. Even here, we'll have certain products from America or different countries for a really long time, and then all of a sudden it will disappear It'll from the shelf. It'll disappear. You know what my kids love? Those little chocolate puddings with the whipped cream on top. Oh, the milkies. You could get them yeah. in Lakewood, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could get them everywhere, but they're so expensive, That's so I great. won't buy them. Ah, they're expensive. I hear they're cheap. It's easy. Here we pay, you know, how right. much I pay for a can of tomato sauce, like, I could pay a dollar fifty for a regular can of Geffen tomato sauce sometimes. Right, and here it's you know, forty nine cents. It's nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Like you buy a dozen at a time to keep in the closet. And here yeah. a pack of four milkies is six ninety nine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's like a big treat in my house because each kid will eat two. Right. The same thing so with like, the Doritos. It's that's how it goes. The imported products are always gonna be more. Right, so now it's been very hard to find the Israeli Doritos here. Mm-hmm. And, like, the chocolate eggs were four ninety nine. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. All that fun stuff. But we do buy it once in a while. So. Yeah, once in a while. Special. Okay, just for one more question. If you could import, like, one thing and have it on a steady basis, what would it be? Mm, that's a tough one. I'm trying to think what I bring with me from America. I mean, really, now they started importing everything. I think it's still those uh, wonton wrappers and, uh, I don't know, that and, I don't know. That's a tough question. Because we, re- we really, you really could you really find, have everything. 
Almost right. anything. Wow. Listen, you do have to travel around. You'll have to go to Machane Yehuda here or Rami Levy or Osherad or, you know, like it's, you can't find everything in one place. But like even in different right. cities, right. when I go visit different cities, I'll go into a supermarket and see what I could find. You know, of course, saying? I do the same thing. I do you the could, same thing. Yeah, you could really find a lot of things, and it really also depends on the neighborhood because of also the the hechshers. Certain neighborhoods, right. supermarkets won't bring certain foods if it's not up to the standards of the people in the neighborhood. Right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So that we have that here. Like the stores in Lakewood don't carry like Chobani yogurt because mm-hmm. it's not called Israel. Right. So. Very interesting. So I wanted to thank you for talking with me, giving me all of your meal ideas and insights, and it was really interesting, and I hope people reach out to you for help. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So, guys, follow thank me on you. Instagram, Syrian So, again, so our guest was Sophia, and she could be found on Instagram as Syrian in Israel, and if you can't find her for some reason, I can send you over all of her info. So thank you so much and hopefully in person soon. So take care and good luck. Thank you thank so you. much. Bye-bye. Everybody, so I'm back answering your questions and I got a lot of questions this week, over 30 questions. So I'm kind of going to condense them into a few quick answers and how-tos, and hopefully your question is answered. If not, you can always send it to me, and I will try and answer it personally. So, here goes. The first group of questions was, what do I feed my kids for nine days without chicken or meat? So, I kind of like to tell people, what do they eat on the side, and try and make the side dish the whole meal. So... A lot of kids are good with salads, good with vegetables. So it's the chicken and meat replacements, which are a little bit harder. So a good veggie burger is an option. Sometimes I find just like a bun and ketchup and lettuce and tomato and french fries on the side. It's not as scary as just like a kale burger on a plate. A lot of kids will eat fish and fish sticks are fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Salmon, a sweet and spicy salmon is always good. Cover it in breadcrumbs and fry it. It always helps. And um, eggs. Eggs are a great, great, great cheap and easy dish. You can do little omelets. You can do egg in a hole. You can do scrambled eggs. You can do frittatas. You can make mini frittatas and cupcakes. I find anything that is a cupcake is bound to be eaten. Then... Next group of questions was, what do I do when it's just me? Like, I'm not cooking for a family. I'm a single or I'm cooking for myself and a spouse. So I like to say, sort of cook something once and eat it twice. So let's say you're going to do a green bowl of cauliflower rice or quinoa. Cook double the amount and then use the leftover green to make veggie burgers the next night or serve it with vegetarian chili a few nights later. That way you're not sort of cooking full meals every single night and you have some of the meal building blocks in the fridge. Um, Another great single or double serving is hard-boiled eggs. You can serve them on top of a ramen bowl, a green bowl, a salad. You can eat them plain. You can make egg salad. 
So that's another great tip. And um, strangely enough, I'm not a mayonnaise person, but whenever I do make egg or tuna salad for clients, the Aldi brand low-fat mayonnaise always gets the most yums, but I don't eat it, so I can't comment personally, but that's what people do tell me. A good substitute for mayo and tuna or egg salad or salmon salad is avocado. Just squish up some avocado, and it's green, but if they'll eat it, go for it. Um, canned salmon makes a great salad like a tuna salad you can put vegetables in it chopped celery carrots cucumbers olives pickles whatever my kids call it pink tuna salad I will tell them it's salmon and now the next category of questions is how can I make a dairy or parv meal without using loads of pasta and cheese so I like to tell people think outside the box like literally think outside the pasta box you can make lasagna roll-ups using eggplant or zucchini slices with the same lightened up cheese filling you could do quinoa instead of rice or instead of pasta or orzo whole wheat orzo or whole wheat pasta is great if your kids are a little bit pickier there's all types of alternative pastas out there like the red lentil the black bean the edamame those are all good choices um let's think what else so I usually like to tell people that cheese is fine in moderation, but if your kids are going to obsess over cheese, it's only a few days, just leave them be. And another really good dinner option is sort of like a snack dinner where you put out like little bowls of all salad toppings and green toppings and cubes of cheese and leftover fish. And this is really great for a Thursday night. You can just put out all the leftovers and little bowls, a few salad dressings, and have a make-your-own salad bar. That always goes well. And if you want to make it fancier, everyone gets a bowl and a squeeze bottle of dressing to toss their own salad with a pair of tongs, make it like a little restaurant, and pizza. So pizza is like the number one in every household that I've been to. Dough, sauce, cheese. So I like to expand it a little bit by adding a lot of vegetable toppings. Sometimes I skip the cheese. Sometimes I don't use mozzarella. I'll use goat cheese or feta cheese on my pizza. And I tell a lot of my like clients who are parents, if you put out finely chopped up cooked vegetables like broccoli or spinach or even steamed carrots, you'd be surprised how much goes in your kids' mouths while they make their own pizza at night. So that's a really good option. And something that is a little bit more complicated for Dairy Week, this was another question, was the prep time. If you're going to barbecue something, you're going to take it out of the package, toss it on the grill, in 10 minutes it's ready. But if you're going to bake a lasagna, it takes an hour or two. So I like to tell people, take an hour or two in the beginning of the week to prepare some stuff to either put in the fridge or the freezer so that it's ready to go. So... I hope I answered everybody's questions. If you have any more questions, you're welcome to reach out for me. And thank you again for listening.